it was a dirty, grimy job. There was mm-hmm. a, a, an industrial revolution where it's memorize and repeat and do the same thing over and over again in factory work. But it's not that anymore. It is creative and and we have so much automation. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 61. Today, we're talking about a little bit of everything. We'll cover machining, we'll cover hip-hop, content, attracting folks to the workforce. And why are we able to do all that? Well, we've got Tony Gunn on the show, who is a jack-of-all-trades in our industry, and he's someone that has gone from being a machinist to a fellow media creator. A few things you can expect from today's episode. First, we're going to hear Tony's story, how he started his career as an amateur hip-hop artist, played soccer, and then how he ultimately became a machinist. Second, we're going to talk about how that evolved into Tony helping other manufacturers tell their story. And during this part, Tony's going to share some very tactical social media advice. Finally, we wrap with what's next for Tony Gunn and some exciting news about what Tony is doing for our industry. We cover a lot of info in today's show, a lot of stories. If you want to access any of the resources we mention, as always, head to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 61 for the notes specifically for this episode. Finally, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review over at the Apple Podcasts platform. It really does help us out, understand what you want to hear more of. It helps put the show on the map. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes, and your reviews don't need to be longer than just a few sentences. This can be something that goes very quickly, whether you're on your iPhone or on your desktop. And with that, it's time to jump in to today's conversation. Okay, so with any manufacturing happy hour interview, Tony, I have to ask, and you're a global traveler, so we can be anywhere for this. If we were having this conversation in person, is there a, a special bar where, you know, that you've come across in your travels where we might be having this conversation in person? Well, if it's you and me, brother, uh, which would change for each individual person, um, I would love to have this conversation uh, on one of the quiet beaches of Costa Rica on a shack, listening to the ocean, watching the sun go down, sipping on a tequila or a rum, and just chatting about how wonderful life is. I love that. Funny enough, because uh, I've I've haven't been. You've been to something like fifty countries, right? Uh, yeah. In addition to fifty, yeah, yeah, quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so over fifty. I've I've got thirty two under my list, and Costa Rica is awesome. not one of them yet. I still need to get there. So highly recommend it. And flights are not so expensive these days. You can kind of scoot through and scoot back without investing too much time and money. I've been seeing that. Well, we could talk about travel and beaches all day, but there's a lot of things we could talk about with you, Tony. So before we go further, I do want to make sure I give you a proper introduction. So our guest today started his career on the shop floor running a press machine 20 years ago. 
Now, his work has taken him around the world from interior design to founding his own natural wellness and organic tea company, as well as multiple roles in the machining and manufacturing industry. Now, he's the general manager at MTD CNC Global, where he travels the globe interviewing, creating videos with the people behind the latest machine tool technologies and more, as well as the host of his new industry podcast, The Gun Show. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Tony Gunn. It's great to have you here, Tony. How do we do that little fake cheer thing, right? <laughs> Thanks for having me, brother. You're, you're a good man. Um, fantastic introduction. I've been listening to your show a lot, so it's a real honor to be here. And you're genuinely a good dude that asks the, the type of questions that people want to hear stories about. So um, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, speaking of stories, like I, like I said, you have no shortage of experience in and outside the manufacturing world. So as I understand it now for our, our audience listens to some of the other manufacturing podcasts out there, you've been on uh, making chips, you've been on the manufacturing executive with Joe Sullivan, all friends of the show. And I've learned that you used to be a hip hop guy. From like ages like twenty one to twenty five, I, I I have to ask maybe give us some context on that. But what did hip hop teach you about the manufacturing world, or did you learn anything from your hip hop days that have benefited uh, benefited you in manufacturing? Hip hop taught me nothing about manufacturing <laughs> per se, but it did break a lot of fear factors. Yeah, I mean if you think about what we're doing with you, you and your podcast and me and the podcast and, and doing these videos in front of customers and constantly having people stare and have nervous breakdown, maybe not a breakdown, but you get nervous right in front of a camera that red lights on and everyone goes, their mind goes blank. And to be fair, uh, when I was younger, uh, 21, 22, right around that age, um, I, I jumped into music coincidentally as a piece of therapy for my life and some of the hardships I was going through. Uh, and I utilized that really as just a mirror uh, where I would look at myself every day and convey uh, courage to myself to get up, to, to stay strong, to do good things, to be a good person. Uh, don't let the demons within me be, become the demons outside of me. And I used it really as a tool to guide me through some difficult times. And what it did bring me uh, to today's platform was just the courage to be able to stand in front of people and speak and, and have the confidence um, to do that in a small audiences as well as large audiences. And, and that has come in handy quite a bit where, where you know, people can kind of feel that energy and, and, and they, they can absorb some of that and feel confident when they're on camera, even if it's their first go round. So that's kind of the, the quick summary of where music helped me. And, and I've, let me throw this out there too. I honestly am not a massive fan of hip hop. Um, I don't dislike it, <laughs> but by default, because I wrote poetry in college and I cannot sing whatsoever, it was by default, let's put poetry on paper and put it to music. And, uh, and that was what I did. Excellent story. Yeah, as a, uh, I, I'm, I actually, now that I'm on camera and podcast quite a bit, I say it was my punk rock days that helped me get comfortable <laughs> being on stage. And that doesn't, I'm not that much of a singer either. So that was my, you know, if you're going to do music, do punk rock where it's more, you know, shouting, talking rather than uh, the actual <laughs> melodies itself. But I do, you know, I, I, I've heard you mention before you were doing that for a while and then, hey, you're like, I need insurance, man. And that's when you started looking at, the manufacturing world. And 
And one thing that's interesting is you got your career. You, you, I mentioned in the intro, right? You were at a press. You were making wedding rings, weren't you? You were working with precious metals. Is that correct? I love how much research you've done, Chris. You're amazing at this. Well done. Well done. <laughs> um, so, so music was kind of a decade-long hobby. And I'm not sure if I ever got better. And there's a good chance I just continually got worse. But it was great therapy. Uh, when I was young... I, uh, I did need insurance. I thought I was going to be a professional soccer player, which was a very short stint of time just based on me not being good enough. Um, I mean, that's pretty much sums it up. I could tell you all the details, but uh, I had a very short stint as a semi-pro soccer player and, uh, and realized very quickly that I needed to figure out what I was going to do um, for a long term, right? Because, I mean, I was a lifeguard. That was fun, you know, saving some kids in, in the summertime and then went off to college and you know worked at Pizza Hut like a lot of us do, fast food joints. Uh, I wasn't the richest college kid, so I accidentally, in quotation marks, messed up pizzas all the time so that I could eat and, and play soccer in college. And, uh, and it came to a point where, you know, I at 18, I moved out of my house. I moved out quicker than some and later than, than others, but uh, I needed insurance and I needed a job and I wanted a foundation that I could base a future on. And uh, and looking around Richmond, Virginia, where I was raised and brought up when I came back from college, um, I happened to stumble across through friends, a manufacturing plant that was precious metals and the precious metals we would melt. The people would send us precious metals from all over the world. And that includes platinum, palladium, gold, silver, and it could be any combination or carrot based on the fact that it was a refining plant that melted everything down, whether it was dirty or clean, and was able to reduce the contamination to make it a more pure form of what it was, regardless if it was pure or not. And um, I started there, as you mentioned, on a press where you, you know, push a couple of buttons on either side to make sure that we're safe. Uh, it must be a two-handed operation. Plexiglass comes down and, and punches a hole in a piece of material. And, and I stayed there for six years and picked out the smartest people that I knew I could learn from. Uh, typically, the, the, the wisdom comes from the elders and the wisdom comes from failure. So I picked out the older gentlemen that were in charge of the machines, and they taught me how to do line-by-line -line programming. And within that six-year span, I was able to study um, something called I Think Software, which is like the activated version of Six Sigma Lean Manufacturing, understanding bottlenecks and that kind of thing. And uh, I, <laughs> oddly enough, I was actually considered in the top 5% of the world of, of understanding how to machine platinum. And I don't really consider that to be a wow. great announcement per se, because there's only a few people machining platinum. So how, I mean, how significant is that 5%? Was I, you know, one of 10, you know, so so there were some really great lessons that, that were gained from their floppy disk and line-by-line -line programming. At that time, we weren't using any of the great CAD systems. We were utilizing Excel spreadsheets and creating mm -hmm. uh, mathematical equations that when we punched in certain things, we got certain codes, and then we edited it at the, at the machine. So, you know, that's 20-plus years ago at this point, but I, I'm grateful for being able to start there and learn that way. Well, I mean, there's no shame in of all the precious metals to have platinum is the one that you're the top five guy. And it makes you sound like that hip hop career did take off with like platinum records. So uh, I, I think that's pretty cool. I think our audience will think it's pretty cool. But one of the coolest things I found about you is your, your mission now where you're trying to make the people in manufacturing, I shouldn't say make, make the people in manufacturing, you want to raise a perception around manufacturing and show them off as the heroes that they are. 
behind it. And you started your career as a machinist. And I think at one point you said, you know, I wanted people to appreciate the folks behind the machines. So at what point was there a moment where that became your mission or how did that evolve? So that's a really, really great question, Chris. And, and, and of all the great people that I've talked to and done these types of interviews, I really appreciate you asking that because it's not been, the question's not been asked in such a way that allows me to answer in the way that I would like. And I think you've done a really great job of preparation for that. So thank you for that. Um, caring about people has kind of been a part of my DNA my entire life. I didn't know how I was going to do it. You, during the opening, mentioned, um, you know, a natural healing company, which that was very purposely done. It was created through my travels to help people heal. And for the for most of its life, uh, we launched it in 2014, almost 100% of the profits went to different charities, whether it be for earth, animals, or people. Um, and we picked out specific ones that we trusted. So it's always been about how can I be of service to the world. How can I help animals? How can I help not destroy the earth? How can I help people who are suffering or that don't have a voice of their own, whatever it might be. So that's where the passion came from. It just so happened that I fell into a world of engineering and manufacturing um, because to be fair, I'm not a great book learner. I can't sit in a classroom at a desk memorize something and repeat it back to the teacher and then take a written test. I've always been a very hands-on type of person. And that allowed me to get into a field where a lot of us are misfits. And those of us who aren't misfits were engineers and the engineering joke, which I've told a thousand times. So the audience has probably already heard it, but I'm going to do it anyway. And I'm going to do it again is how can you tell when you've met an outgoing engineer and it's because when they talk to you, they'll look at your feet instead of their own feet, which means that a lot of times they're very introverted and intelligent and can talk to you about numbers all day and night. But that doesn't give them the pedestal that they deserve and what they're creating around the world to make everything that's around us. So because I'm not quite as intelligent as them and I talk way too much. I feel it's my opportunity to place them on that platform and be the, that platform and be that speaking voice for them because we should honor what we're creating in this world and these people should be given the accolades they deserve just like just like I feel our medical industry does and our science industry does and our teachers do and a lot of people out there but a lot of them have a voice and I think that our industry it's it's not quite as recognizable because for the generation above you and I, Chris, a lot of things were offshored and people lost jobs. And then before that, it was a dirty, grimy job that was mm -hmm. a, a, an industrial revolution, where it's memorize and repeat and do the same thing over and over again in factory work. But it's not that anymore. It is creative. And and we have so much automation and it's like playing video games. And how, can you beat your own score on the machine, reducing cycle times? And how many parts can you get out in a day? And half of these shop floors are cleaner than my bathrooms at home and my living rooms <laughs> at home. They're just the cliche statement is I can eat off the floor, but it's it's cliche. But it's also quite true in a lot of places. And to be fair, the dirty ones still exist because we need that type of machine shop. We need those dirty places that are going to hit those dyes and create that fire and that smolder. But also there's a lot of really cool futuristic stuff out there as well. And people like you and I, Chris, I, I feel like it's somewhat our responsibility to be that voice and you're doing a great job of it as well. And I thank you for that. Um, and I'm honored if people 
choose to listen to me talk as well um, in a very humbled way because, you know, what we're just trying to do the best we can, right? That's what we're trying to do. We'll be right back right after a word from our sponsor. If you're an equipment manufacturer, distributor, or dealer of industrial equipment, and you're looking to accelerate your profits through online sales, you're going to want to get to know this week's sponsor. Gen Alpha Technologies makes it easier for companies like you to do business through one of the most robust e-commerce platforms for the B2B industrial world. Let's be honest, a lot of manufacturers are still looking for ways to increase market share. They want to deliver a better, an exceptional level of customer service, and they are still looking to execute a digital transformation that's powered by e-commerce. Gen Alpha can be your partner that helps you accomplish all of these things. What I love about Gen Alpha is that unlike other e-commerce providers, the team over at Gen Alpha has been in your shoes. They've lived and breathed manufacturing and heavy industry. They ask the difficult and necessary questions because they know the questions to ask. If you like what you're hearing, make sure to head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash genalpha to listen to our interview with their president and COO, Christina Harrington. There, you can find a direct link to their e-commerce readiness assessment, or you can check them out for yourself at genalpha.com. Gen Alpha understands firsthand the promise that manufacturers have to fulfill when helping their customers keep equipment running. That's why they're not only your software provider, but also your business partner. That's Gen Alpha Technologies. And now, back to today's episode. Now, you're doing this professionally, right? With what you do with MTD CNC Global. You're going around the world sharing the story of the people and the technology behind the machines. But what, what was your first opportunity that allowed you to start start sharing those stories? Was it something you were doing on social media? Was it a video series? I don't know this part of your origin story yet. Yeah, that's that's really great. Um, coincidentally, I would say it was a combination of accidents. Um, I, about five or six, seven years ago, you know, time flies, so I lose track, but Several years ago, I had the great privilege to meet one of my mentors, um, who I now consider a friend, but at that time, it would have been, you know, uh, twinkly eyes of what an amazing person kind of a thing, right? And, uh, and that was Titan. And, and I always will say good things about him, um, no matter what. And I consider him a great teacher of mine. And I met him when he was doing, I want to say the second season, but it might have been the third season of that show where mm-hmm. he was helping the people at San Quentin prison and bringing in all the machines to give hope to those people to allow them that when they got out of prison, that they might have an opportunity to have a family and a future because statistically 60% of people that come out go right back in. And he was giving them hope. And that resonated with me so powerfully because before that machining to me was machining. It was something I did to create. It was cool to mm-hmm. see a block, block, a $50 block turn into a thousand dollar part. Like that's cool stuff. I liked it a lot. Don't get me wrong. But when I saw what he was doing, it, it resonated with the part of my soul that loves helping people. And I realized if I can somehow create a voice and combine my stubbornness, my, my talking that I like to do, and then some of my programming and technical ability that I grew up doing, you know, jumping from a few different companies and learning, then maybe I could apply this. So that was really the first start. And then I got to hang out with Terry Berry a little bit, good old Mark Terry Berry. And 
and I watched what he was doing and I saw the benefit that he was creating specifically for his product line. Um, but I, because I like helping all people as often as I can, I also took bits and pieces from him and it inspired me to, to try and push for something where I could help more people. Then recently, and I don't like to timestamp any of these things that we do, but recently while being at air turbine technology for almost a decade and feeling like they could use, uh, <laughs> a bit, and I don't want to talk down about anyone, but, but I really felt like they could use a better platform of marketing. So I kind of took it on myself that when I traveled around and I found these awesome success stories of, you know, drilling titanium with a five thousandths diameter drill uh, straight through without a peck to be a substantial piece of information that people needed to do. Mm-hmm. So I taught myself small editing skills on my phone and on my iPad and on my laptop. And I would film at places that I went and I would just do the very best that I could. And I started studying where people uh, created content that was viewed more and where people were missing that content and why. So I really started to study that algorithm and going back to that timestamp, then COVID hit, right? So mm-hmm. another one of, of the people that I really value as to what he brings to the social media world is a guy named Matt Evans. And I talked about this on Making Chips, and I know you listened to that as well. And they're really great at what they've done on Instagram. So I got to work simultaneously when COVID hit uh, with Fifth Access Work Holding and with air turbine technology. So I was learning from Matt. I was watching what was going on on Instagram. Uh, Fifth Access had such a database of excellent content that allowed me to then take that that knowledge and that platform and apply it to something like LinkedIn. And I'll tell you why I chose LinkedIn. And if you listen to Making Chips, you already know this story. So I'll make it quick. And if you if you want to listen to the full story, go listen to my buddies over at Making Chips. Um, I didn't. I, I've already mentioned my friends. I didn't want to compete on Instagram. I didn't want to cre- compete on Facebook. I didn't want to compete um, with uh, with Terry Berry. But nobody, in my opinion, in our industry for what we were doing had really found value in LinkedIn yet. And because I didn't want to compete, but I wanted to to create something that was equally as significant that could also support my friends in the industry, I chose LinkedIn. And because I was utilizing both of those places, I learned a lot. And because I got to work with those guys, I learned a lot. And because COVID sent us all to our bedrooms like bad little kids and none of us could travel, it gave me the time that I needed to study the algorithms between why does something work on Facebook or Instagram that doesn't work on Google or YouTube and what there's just so much to the hashtags in that entire world that I studied while we all sat in our rooms to create the type of situation that if people found value in the content that I was going to provide, then it would continue to grow. So once I understood that, I needed to figure out how I could be of best service with content that will allow people to generate the success that they needed, whether they were selling machinery, receiving and utilizing machinery and everything in between from software to tooling to coolant. And during that time of extreme uh, confusion and lack of understanding of what the future was going to hold with COVID, I put everything into storage and backpack Mexico and said, I need to figure out what I'm going to do for the next 20, 30 years of my life based on my knowledge, based on my desire to care for people. And that was when MTD and I touched base with each other. And immediately I knew, hold on. You mean 
hip hop gave me the confidence to be on a microphone and technical uh, know-how from programming allows me to have a conversation where I'm not, maybe I'm not the stupidest person in the room. And then I can take this platform of partnering with so many people and be of service to a broad spectrum of people across the industry. This is the perfect fit. And I found a great love for what we've been doing. Worlds collide, man. That's what I'm hearing. All those experiences just coming together. It's not the first time I've seen that and, and a lot of good information in there. I w- I'm going to pick on a couple of those things. First of all, I know a lot of our listeners, you're familiar with Titan Gilroy and those folks. Those are all industry, industry influencers, basically, that uh, that are in our space. And you know, you've, you've talked about, uh, you, you mentioned you had time to study the algorithms, right? And I do want to offer some tactical advice to our audience because a lot of people are shy to put themselves out there on social media. They think there's a secret sauce or something, and no doubt there are things to do that. But let's be specific around LinkedIn. What's tactic? What, what's one piece of tactical advice you'd offer to folks that want to be more deliberate about what they put out there on LinkedIn? Oh, you're asking me to give away my secrets now, man. That took months Just and one. months, if not Just years, one. of studying. <laughs> no, I don't mind. Um, in this in this world we're in, there. there's there's room for everyone we can all be successful there it's and at the end of the day if i'm creating success for others ultimately that's what i want to do anyway so i it's just it's just unjust chris it's just just um the first piece of advice that i would offer for someone who's just getting into social media as a whole not specifically linkedin but this can work for anyone anytime any place who's getting into it and that is understanding how hashtags work because anything that you create, if you utilize hashtags, uh, it can be researched and pulled up for years to come. So for those people who don't know what a hashtag is, the older generation, we used to call it the pound sign on the phone. Yes, (laughs) it's the pound sign, Um, but we call it now a hashtag. So if you use that pound sign slash hashtag and put whatever you wanna put afterwards, um, you are now creating something that can be Googled, binged, researched on any platform that you choose. And that can be LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok. I don't even want to give TikTok a shout out, but TikTok. Um, so on one so day, forth, one yeah, day, <laughs> including YouTube. So my advice is not just understand it uh, and how it works, because it really is as simple as as picking a term like women in manufacturing. If you put the pound sign to women in manufacturing, you're going to find some really dope videos and articles right now. It's a big push in our industry. The advice I want to offer is if you are a company that's just getting into it and you want to brand yourself, go to Google, go to Instagram, put in the hashtag that you think is going to be the hashtag that you want for your company. If a thousand or 10,000 or 20,000 videos, pictures or whatever come up, Do not use that hashtag pound sign. Pick something that has less than 100. And if you have to change a couple of things, whatever it might be, don't get caught up in when I pull up that hashtag or if I Google you, there's a 10,000 anime women that pop up or 20,000 cars or fishing rods that have nothing to do with what you're doing. Find something that's significant to you and then brand it and be the one that constantly promotes that specific set of numbers and or letters that references you every single time because that's always going to pull you up without confusing you with anyone else in the industry. Do that. 
excellent advice. Tactical advice. I don't think we've heard that advice on the show before. So new one, get a unique hashtag, do your research on it. Excellent, excellent stuff. I do have another question about our industry related to uh, to social media, because I think when I've heard you talk about like Titan and those guys in the past, you've mentioned the thing that attracts you to them is their authenticity, right? And I know authenticity is a big thing with you as well. Why do you think our industry struggles to be authentic a lot of times? I think that we are incredibly authentic and we are, mm. as far as the industry goes, when you go to, when you and I go to a trade show and I'd love to do one with you, bro. I'm not sure if you're going to, if you plan to go to any of them, but I would love to have you as a co-host with MTD and we go around the trade show together and we do this. So just throwing that out there, it would be an honor to, to do that. And a live event through LinkedIn live, we'll get together. We can do some filming together. Um, but back to your question. I don't think it's a lack of authenticity. I think we are real people. When you think about the world of engineers and what we're creating, we are real. And sometimes when you go to a place like Germany, too real. We'll <laughs> butt heads and then we'll have a beer. And then everything's solved, so be yep. it. But, but this is the world we live in. I don't think it's um, the authenticity is not in question. It's the ability to convey that authenticity or to promote ourselves a lot of us are not egotistical when we're when we do what we do we, we're very humble and we work in a way that's that's silent we don't go out and brag about what we've created sometimes because of ndas and we can't talk about it and right. sometimes because that's just not our personality style so i don't think it's about being authentic or not authentic it's about having the ability like again going back to you and i chris and you mentioned joe sullivan and, and nick and the guys over at making chips and and titan they, we all have a voice. Titan's great at talking. Terry Berry's confident in front of a, a camera and John Saunders. And we can listen, we can name so many people, right? But the industry as a whole has not, does not have that foundation of very widespread uh, public speakers. And the ones that are public speakers, to be fair, we're not great at understanding how to utilize our voice on a global scale that gets echoed on places like social media because man manufacturing and engineering when it comes to the world of marketing is not movies and TV shows and fashion and that industry. We've always done the traditional thing where sometimes we get stuck in a slower pace of, of, of mud where we're, we're trudging through something saying, we've always done it this way, so I'm going to keep doing it. But there's this there's this new idea that there's just so much technology moving so quickly that we want to be a part of it. Right. But traditionally, we're a little bit behind in the world of, of marketing. And and that's OK. We go to trade shows and we handshake and we hug and we high five and we have a beer or a drink and and laugh all night long. And there is authenticity in that. We're just the type of people that are attracted to engineering and manufacturing are typically the ones that want to touch things with their hands, that want to meet in person, that want to see what they can do instead of just pushing it on social media. So that's our job. And, and I think that's how it, it's come to have this misconception of how it actually works. I love the way you paraphrase that highlighted the fact there is authenticity. We just need to find the right way to share that. And you're doing an excellent job doing that over at MTDC and C Global as well as your new podcast, uh, The Gun Show, as well. So before we wrap this interview up, I have to ask, what, what's next from MTDC and C as well as The Gun Show? Pick whichever one, talk about both, go for it. 
If it's okay with you, Chris, we're actually creating something right now that I'd like to talk about. And this is brand new. Uh, it's kind of been lightly discussed in other areas, but it's it's something that I'm stoked about. Um, there's a lot of momentum at the moment with a couple of partners that I have in the industry. Uh, I can even say their names, uh, even though it hasn't come to full fruition yet. And I hope I don't jinx myself, as Murphy's <laughs> Law typically says. Uh, but I'm going to say it out loud anyway, uh, because I, I'm excited about it. And I know that you have a great audience that by perhaps by me saying it out loud, it'll expand and snowball even more. And that's uh, we're working on right now a national tour for creating awareness to middle schools and high schools about our industry to try and reduce this skills gap. I'm working with Megan Zimba. I think she's an amazing person and a guy named Andoeli Grant who works over at CCAM in, in uh, Petersburg, Virginia, which was uh, up until the recent, uh, I believe, shutdown. Um, the R&D Center for Rolls-Royce here in the U.S. on the East Coast, but they also work with uh, Siemens and Kyocera and a lot of other folks as well. Um, so Andwelly is a brilliant, brilliant dude, um, but he's not nearly on social media as much as Megan. Megan, I give a shout out to her as well, but a lot of people know her better than Andwelly. Um, and the purpose of this is to hopefully reduce the skills gap, but not just reduce the skills gap, because we all know that exists. And we're trying to reduce it through automation and through palletization of, of being able to run lights out manufacturing. If somebody can run 10 machines instead of one machine, then we're ultimately reducing that skills gap, right? But this is going to be going into places and hopefully, if all goes well, we're inspiring women to join us in a male-dominated industry to get more women. We're inspiring kids who think that they have no hope of being successful in their life because of, for whatever reason or whatever environment or whatever education they're going through, I want to inspire them to believe that if you go to a trade school and you get out of that trade school, you are very likely to have already paid it off based on the desire that's needed in our industry right now. So no school debt whatsoever or very minimal school debt. And you're immediately going to go into a job probably even before you graduate from that trade school where you're instantly going to make thirty dollars to $80,000 a year as a programmer or a machinist or even a setup guy. And that's going to give you the type of stability that's not only going to stabilize your household, but an economy. And if we can do this, then now we're starting to have places where we can continue to grow manufacturing in the U.S. Because I recently posted something that you may or may not have seen about the global scale of where manufacturing comes from. And granted, it was a 2018 or 19 post, so it's changed a bit. That's very fair. And some parts of it are subjective, but it was at... The U.S. was number two in the world in manufacturing at $2.3 trillion, with China being number one at almost double that, and Japan being number, th number three at almost half that. So if we can remember that we can stabilize economies and we can help people stabilize their household, to take care of families, to have that, that picket fence, that dog, the things that they want in their life, or just a whole lot of beer and freedom and travel, that's fine too. <laughs> Whatever they want to spend their money on, so be it. But stabilization is important. And to be able to walk out of a school with zero debt into a field where you have a decent amount of money allows us to be more creative because the most stifling thing that we can have toward creativity is fear, stress, and worry. And that comes from money situations. So if we can stabilize that, there's just so much opportunity in what we can do. 
I love the passion and energy you bring to this show. And also some of our guests should be familiar with Megan Zimba, who actually mentioned that back uh, five episodes ago, I believe. So if we speak it into existence enough, this national tour will happen. So fingers crossed that when this episode's coming out, that uh, it's a little further down the path. So, well, hey, Tony, I appreciate all the, like I said, all the energy, all the passion, all the, all the tactical advice, all the stories you brought to today's show. My final question is, what's your hashtag? If that's your advice to the audience, what hashtags are you using for yourself, MTD, whatever it is? <laughs> I guess mine's somewhat ego-driven um, because I just <laughs> use Tony Gunn. Uh, that's if fair. somebody wants to find out more about me, it's just my first and last name. It's not anything super creative or crazy. It's just, you want to find me? Look up Tony Gunn. You'll probably find the wrestler first. And then you'll find me second. <laughs> <laughs> That's gun with two ends. And you know what? The best marketing, the best branding is sometimes the most straightforward. So, well, hey, Tony, I appreciate you jumping on the show today. And uh, for everyone listening, stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again next time. Hey, thanks for listening. With anyone like Tony Gunn, who has been all around the world, all around the industry, it's tough to know where some of these episodes are going to go, but love the way this one turned out. Hope you did as well. If you want to learn more about Tony, his podcasts, or other shows that he's been on before, make sure to head to the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 61. Before we wrap, I do want to give a thank you to our sponsor for today's episode, Gen Alpha. If you are an OEM, if you are a dealer, if you are a distributor in the industrial B2B space, well, you might want to check these guys out if you need an e-commerce solution. They create solutions for, like I said, distributors, dealers, OEMs that allow you to help your customers get parts when they need them. If you're looking for a robust industrial e-commerce solution, make sure to check out Gen Alpha. You can listen to our episode with their COO, Christina Harrington, back in episode 34, or you can learn more about them by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash Gen Alpha. And with that, more episodes coming your way. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again next time. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.